Welcome in to the Free Retiree Show. We help you transform your life so you can become financially free. In this show, we'll give you the inside track on how to excel in your career, filter out the noise surrounding your finances to help you make smart financial decisions, and we'll learn from thought and business leaders who could help you live your best life. Thank you for tuning into the show. You are listening to Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy and Career Advisor Sergio Patterson. What is it up, everyone? So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to land your dream job. In the Silicon Valley, uh, you know, where we are from, it's an extremely competitive job environment. You have some of the smartest people on the planet. Uh, the hiring process at some of these companies can go for months. Uh, and you look at companies like Google, for instance, year after year, one of the top companies to work for, they get, receive about 3 million applications per year. With an acceptance rate of 0.2%, you have a better chance of getting into Harvard. But lucky for us, we have one of Silicon Valley's greats, <laughs> Sergio Patterson. Sergio, give us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about today. Uh, yeah, thanks for that unnecessary intro i'm not i'm not, no, I'm not too special it, it was totally it was totally necessary and you are very special Sergio, thank you for your kind words oh just just volumes of truth it about does, your greatness. doesn't happen too often you know from you so i really appreciate that intro <laughs> very, very yeah, nice if, you, if you guys listen to me talk to sergio on the on the phone it's it's nothing but insults <laughs> but on the show i i praise him um but serge give us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about yeah, yeah, that was a great intro. I think uh, you hit it right on the head, man. So COVID-19, there's lots of people who are in this competitive job market. It's one of the most competitive markets out there in recent memory. Um, so what I wanted to do is kind of break the process down. So from resume building um, and by process, I'm going to be talking about the process in Silicon Valley. Uh, Lee, you mentioned uh, Google. Um, you know, a lot of companies have taken Google's hiring process and try to make it their own. So a lot of the companies in Silicon Valley have a very similar process. So I'll be talking about um, your resume, the initial phone screen with the recruiter, uh, chatting with the hiring manager, on to the virtual onsite. And this is new for the, this COVID era, um, era. So you know a lot of people may be interested in, okay, well, how have things been impacted in the process um, as it relates to COVID? And um, you know how to get that job offer. Uh, so I'm hoping the tips that I share today is going to help you, you know, if you are in the process right now of trying to find a new job, it's important that you're, you're able to stand out. And I'll just say this for the listeners, uh, you know, Sergio, he has been at Google, Amazon, LinkedIn, some of the most competitive tech companies in the Silicon Valley. And he has somehow landed a job time after time. And I might say with a very quick turnaround, but before we get into that, Let's talk about, you know, on the show we talked and we said, you know, let's, let's air it out there. Let's give a little bit of our personal information. Um, Serge, I want to know, what's the most annoying thing about your significant other now that you're working, <laughs> now that you're working, you know, at home <laughs> more often, what's that annoying little thing that you've noticed since you're trying to get COVID. me killed you know you've known kimberly for almost as long as i have are you trying to get me killed man um yeah, it's like a fair question but i'm gonna ask you the same question back if i answer it i i okay i'm t I'll, I'll go first i'll let you know oh, um, go ahead my wife 
I figured out since I've been working at home more often, she is the worst at opening doors. She doesn't know how to open a door properly. So she goes out a few times a day to take Jackson, uh, our dog, out to, the, out to go do his business. She barges through the door. She doesn't turn the knob and slowly open. She barges in like it's a freaking police raid on my house. <laughs> and every time I'll be typing or I'll be on the, I'll be on the phone with someone and I'll just jump. That's the, that's that it that is the most annoying. That's thing. that's number one. That's what I figured out since COVID. I'm just saying the annoying little things that you've noticed since COVID. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, since COVID, so we've been I've been home and it's like I'd say one thing that's annoying is I've I've realized she never charges her phone during the day. Um, and this may not sound like a big deal, but like her phone is always dead, and it drives <laughs> me nuts. Like. You know, if I need to text, so I'm like this Nazi, like phone charging Nazi person at the house. So like, I'm like, hey, your phone's dead, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'll get, I have like a supercharger. So she uses mine and then my phone's not going to charge. So it's this constant cycle of me trying to get her to charge her phone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny. We, we learn these little like things when we're home now yeah well, you're spending so much time with that significant even more than you did before and you're noticing little little things just little little things that get out yeah of i mean if, if you're a couple and you make it out of this you can you can get it through, you can get through anything oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> if you're a couple you make it through covid being quarantined 24 7 with each other yeah you deserve a medal <laughs> we're gonna go to the break um but if you haven't done so yet make sure you share our show uh, like us on Facebook, uh, share us on LinkedIn. We appreciate the love and support. We really do. Yeah. And if you have any questions, career related, legal related, financial related, make sure you send them to ask at the We will be right back. Welcome back into the show. I'm sitting alongside career advisor Sergio Patterson. Where today we're talking about all the things you need to know when you're applying for a new job. Serge is going to give you the tips and the tricks and his experience that's helped him. Serge, where would you like to start? Yeah, you know, and you you mentioned it earlier. So I'm, I'm I came I'm coming at this from the angle of what's worked for me, right? Um, you can Google, you know, how to prepare for an interview. You can find some of the tips and tricks, but I think like what I wanted to do today was give you guys some tactical strategies and things that have worked for me that are maybe different, maybe unique. Um, so I want to start just kind of documenting and talking about what the process is right in Silicon Valley. So from a high level, you know, it's going to start with building a great resume, right? Um, we'll talk, well, I'm going to touch on that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the phone screen, the hiring manager, um, the on-site interview, and now it's virtual on-sites. That's where you're going to meet members of the team. And then what happens post-interview? post, post -interview? You know, how do you separate yourself and how do you land that job? So, you know, Lee, starting with the resume, um, would love just to hear your thoughts on, you know, there's this 
I was doing some research. A lot of people, there's like this um, myth out there where recruiters are, you know, pushing people to keep their resume to two pages or maybe try to get it to one page. And I'd love just to get your thoughts on like, what do you think is the best approach for a resume? You would have to just tailor it to the job that you're trying to land, right? I would, I would make it as specific as possible. Um, but I don't know. I honestly haven't filled out a resume in years. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're lucky, man. So there's millions of people right now trying to get the right resume. And, and I've been working and mentoring a few people. And what I've been seeing is, um, one, there's just too many words. They're too long. And within each, so like my recommendation right now for the audience, when you're building out your resume, so let's say, you know, for me, I worked at, you know, all these different companies. So for each company, if I'm building my resume, let's say I have 10 bullet points for what I did at Amazon. What I've been pushing people to do is, is line up, you know, look at all those 10 bullet points and stack those bullet points. So only, you know, only put the, on their resume, like the top five or the highlights. So what, what I'm trying to get to is like simplification of the resume is most important. If you're, if your resume, you know, if you're over the age of 30, it's going to be really hard to only have a one page resume. Mm -hmm. But if you have, you know, you can have a great two page resume if each job that you've been at, if there's only like two or three bullet points, you don't need to tell them everything you did at XYZ company. Um, so my first tip is simple wins and a resume. Okay. Um, I like that. Yeah. Cause recruiters don't have the time and um, you know, a lot of times resumes are just going through ATS system. That's just like an applicant tracker system where they're just scanning and it's not an actual human sometimes looking. So the second tip is really understand what role you're going for. And like you said, Lee, um, gear your resume towards that role so that those keywords, whatever role you're going for, you should know what the recruiter is looking for. So the other tip that I've been in, in, you know, when I'm mentoring people is look at the minimum job requirements. Uh, for the role. So if you're, if you go onto LinkedIn and you look for project manager at Google, there's going to be a minimum requirement that is just saying, Hey, these are the four things that were at minimum, the candidate needs to have. Mm -hmm. So your resume should have those things somewhere in the resume so that a recruiter is looking at it and it's like, okay, Sergio checks the box. All right. Um, and then the second part is there's going to be preferred qualifications. Um, and that's on almost every job you'll see within Silicon Valley, there's going to be minimum requirements and then preferred. So if you meet all the minimum and you meet some of the preferred, you have a much better chance of, of at least getting to the phone screen, right? So if you're doing simple, you say simple wins and you got yeah. the minimum requirements and you got the preferred, when you're putting your bullet points together on your resume, how do you do you start with the the minimum requirements first and then go to the per or do you only list the preferred or do you only list the minimum yeah it's a good question just to clarify so what you want to list is your best highlights from each job that you've been at that's like the first when you're building out a resume like just do that right so and the when you're building out these bullet points it's I, i've touched on this before in earlier episodes but you don't want to just like say like I, you know, I worked on XYZ product, right? What you want to do is, is say I, I did X because of Y and the impact was Z. So I did this okay. thing.
because of this reason and the impact was this that should be what your bullet that's kind of like each bullet point should show what you did why you did it and what the results were no that's a great approach i like that yeah you want to start with your best highlights and then when you're looking at the roles like your your highlight if you're looking for a project manager role like your highlights should be similar to the minimum requirements for most project manager roles. So you shouldn't have to tweak your resume that much. Um, but what I'd recommend is having, you know, if you're a project manager, like you're going to have a standard resume for project manager roles. So you shouldn't have to tweak it that much for each role you're going for, unless there's something special about this role at Google where you want to tweak it a little bit. Um, but my, my suggestion is like share your best highlights and then make sure that your highlights afterwards, when you're looking at these specific roles, at least look like, you know, it's a good fit for that role. Otherwise, like they have no reason, like, especially at a company like Google, when people reach out to me, even at Facebook to, uh, you know, refer them for roles and I'm looking at their resume and it just doesn't match up. So I push back a lot on these people. I'm like, you know, hey, let's let the revamp your resume to ensure like if you don't meet the minimum requirements, I'm not going to refer you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So after you've put this resume together and you have bullet points, uh, you did X for Y and the outcome was Z. Is that right? Mm hmm. Yep. What do you, what's the next step after you got your perfect bullet points uh, in an ideal world, you put a resume out there, recruiters going to give you a call, right? Yeah. Then what happens? Yeah. So good, good, good segue. So you built this resume. It looks good. Maybe you had a connection at, let's just say Google. You had a connection at Google. They submitted this resume. The recruiter loved it. So the first step in the process is a phone screen. Um, and Serge, and, I'm, actually I had a yeah. quick question. What yeah. if you don't have a connection? What if you, or yeah, good. What, what should you do so if good you question. don't have a, a really good friend working at one of these large tech companies? Yeah. So without or any connection, company. yeah, I mean, right now, like I'll be, I'll be transparent, you know, when I've been on the job hunt, like it hasn't always, I haven't always had a connection, but in your network, you're probably going to at least have a friend of a friend who works at said company. So I would push and argue that you could, you could do as much research as possible. Try to reach out to people who work at the company so that you can at least learn, maybe send in, maybe send like use LinkedIn, leverage LinkedIn. I'm a big like advocate for LinkedIn. Um, reach out to people on LinkedIn who work at the company, see if you could get, you know, time with them. Worst, worst case scenario, let's say you can't, you can't meet anybody, but like, you can do a ton of research online about the company, um, ensure that your resume is legit, like it really matches the role, mm -hmm. um, and then apply. You know, if you have to just apply online, like there's nothing wrong with applying, assuming your resume is good. So spend is like, if you don't have a connection, your resume needs to be outstanding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question, man, because it's in, in this market, it's tough, but I think you know, for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at Facebook now and a lot of people are reaching out to me um, to, to help. And I think the more proactive I'd push people to be as proactive as possible and, and reach out to people, you know, we're, we want to help people want to help people who have jobs. Um, so if you, to answer your question, if you don't have a connection, 
do as much research as you can, find somebody that works at the company, send them a message, see what happens. Yeah. And I, I just elaborate a little bit on that. I think there is this notion that if you ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. And I, I would just say, like, if that's the way you're thinking, you really got to reframe the way you think. Because if you look at the biggest players in the Silicon Valley and you see how business is done at a high level, it's all about connections. It's all about people utilizing their relationships and to get things done. So I would say if you are someone that struggles with asking for help, I would say you need to reframe your, your, uh, your way of thinking and realize that that is really a strength to be able to ask someone for help. I think really goes a long way. 100%. And I think uh, our last interview, Emmanuel touched on that also um, in his career and how it's impacted him. But I'll share a quick story. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but one of the guy, one of the um, uh, one of my mentors um, that I've been working with uh, for a couple of different opportunities at Facebook. He's really interested in Facebook. He sent me a cold email based off one of my posts about you know on LinkedIn. He sent me just you know, hey, want to reach out? He sent me his resume. The resume looked legit. He sent me you know what all like any way you can help me, Sergio. Let me know. He didn't get, you know, he didn't like get a uh, submitted him for a couple roles of Facebook and he didn't get a initial phone screen. They didn't even call him back for anything. Right. Mm -hmm. I just got word for this, the most recent role that we sent out. And I actually asked him to tweak his resume a bit. Um, he's actually going to have a, a, his first interview with Facebook next week. Um, so there is power in, in doing these cold emails and reaching out. And uh, to your point, Lee, like asking for help. Um, it can happen. Yeah. What common mistakes did you see in these resumes? Like, what did you, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. what, what mistake did you, did you see? Uh, there, I've seen a lot of resumes over the last couple of months and uh, grammar, uh, spelling typos, um, and then just complexity. So I'd say, yeah, grammar, spelling. What's the, what's the opposite of simple? Complex. Complex, right? Yeah. So I've seen a ton of resumes where, I'd see maybe 10 plus bullet points. What I would, what I pushed each of these, you know, people I work, real people I worked with, let's just get rid of it altogether. Um, so I guess the common mistake to me is like, there's too many bullet points on your resume and it's too, it's too complicated. Um, so it goes back to this idea of simplicity. Mm -hmm. um, less is more. I think for a resume, less is more, but the bullet points that you have have to be incredibly impactful and powerful. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. want to make sure if you're putting a bullet point out, it is legit. It, it gets noticed and there's a ton of value there. Yeah. So like for you, like if you're, let's say you're on the market for a financial advisor role, like I'm sure there's some things that you're like accounts or customers you're super proud of, mm -hmm. right? Let's say you could, you'd have to, for an analogy that would make sense to you, like let's say you have 10 great success stories. I would push you to stack rank them and prioritize it and come up with the top five. So okay. that's my, that's my advice for everyone building a resume. I bet you have, you know, 10 great things you did at this company, prioritize and come up with the best five. Yeah. And I think that's a great advice because I think what people do is they think of like, well, what did I do day to day? And they throw that on the resume because, you know, 
they think that, well, that gives a, you know, the interviewer a good idea of what I did, but they're really not focusing on what they should be is like, what is their greatest accomplishments that yeah. happened while they were there? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Point. It's like, yeah. It's what's, what's the impact? All these companies, um, especially the big companies, if you're, if you're trying to go after a fan company and that's like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, they all they care about is uh, impact, results, numbers, data, percentages. Um, that's the other thing is uh, you asked what what are the common mistakes in resumes. You don't. The, I haven't seen enough like data and numbers in resumes. So like, I in you know implemented a new process that impacted twenty percent of customers or whatever. Um, so if you have numbers, like share the numbers in your on your resume. Oh, I like that. Um, let's, let's move on to, uh, so let, you know, we talked about the resume. Um, let's say you, you know, you, you're one of the lucky ones that gets a phone screen at Google. Um, for the listeners, the phone screen to me is, this is literally just the recruiter or the sourcer at these companies. That's really just there to make sure you're not a weirdo. Like if, if they liked your resume enough to, to call you there, it's really hard to not pass this. So I, I don't want to be an asshole here, but if you don't pass the phone screen, like something's <laughs> wrong. Because <laughs> all this is, is just some recruiter right out of college. No, no offense to recruiters. Recruiters, you're amazing. But you're literally just like, I, I feel like I'm being a dick here. Um, <laughs> no, the phone screen. Just, I guess what I'm trying to tell people is like, I, a lot of people I've talked to, they stress out over this phone screen, but the phone screen is the easiest part of the process. If you get to the phone screen, like congrats, but you should nail this and get to the, to the, to the next step, which is a hiring manager, but quick, quick few bullet points to put together for a phone screen. So this is the easiest part of the process. If you get here, you kill it here. Right. Um, first and foremost, research the company, um, and know why you want to work at the company. Um, out of the last several interviews I've had and I've you know been a part of, Question number one is always like, okay, well, tell me what you know about the company. Why do you want to work here? So if, if you don't know why you want to work at the company, like they're probably not going to pass this phone screen. <laughs> when they, so when they're asking, you know, you know, when they want to know, what do you know about the company? Is that like, do they want to know things like when was the company founded or do they really, do they really want to know that? No, no, sorry. I'm nodding my head. Cause I think it's a great question. Um, so let's just say, let's use Facebook as an example. So I always push people to go to, um, you know, we have this thing called Google and you can search <laughs> for whatever you want. So Facebook has a newsroom where it has all of the latest press releases. So what I push people to do is find one unique fact or latest news story or something that's, you know, not the Google headline about Facebook. Right. So if you, if you say, if you type in Google right now, Facebook news, mm -hmm. don't, you know, try to go a little bit deeper. Um, you can go to Facebook newsroom and like, see like, Oh, what are the top priorities, you know, from Mark Zuckerberg this year or whatever, just find something. And you may, you may not get asked that specific question, but you're definitely going to, they definitely want to know like, okay, well, what's, why are you passionate or why are you interested about working at Facebook um, or Google or wherever? Um, so do some research, do some research past the, just the, the headline, like the get past the mission statement, at least know something about the business, whether it's Facebook, Tesla, Google, Amazon, 
something unique, something that's going to be like, oh, this guy did his research. He knows what he, this guy or girl did their research. And they know what they're talking about. Um, and then the next thing, dude, is um, the next thing is prepare some questions. Uh, while this is, I think, the easiest part of the process, uh, there's going to be five or 10 minutes for questions. So the recruiter is going to literally give you five minutes at the end of the call to ask questions. Um, and I bring this up because I think a lot of people go into sometimes go into interviews and don't have sets of questions ready to ask, but the recruiter would definitely be that time. And it's, it's important to understand that the recruiter is not going to know specifics about the role, but I think what's helped me stand out in these phone screens is I will generally call that out. I'll say, Hey, you know, I know, I know what your job is. You're a recruiter, you're a sourcer, you're just trying to get high level understanding of, of what I'm about, my, you know, what I've been, what I've been working on. I don't need to know the day-to-day -day of the role, but I really want to get a good understanding of the culture of the company. You know, what do you like most about it? What are some areas that you think can be improved? You could really get from like from the recruiter, the questions you should be asking are like high level company type questions. Okay. Not, not day-to-day role type questions just yet. What about, I think a lot of people when they go to the interview, they ask the interviewer questions about the interviewer's experience at said company. Is that a good move? Or do you think that you're missing the mark when it, when it comes to asking questions? Um, so the interview experience you're saying, tell me, tell me more about that. So what do you, what do you mean by that? The interviewer has been, you know, he's at, he or she has asked you a ton of questions about your feelings on certain topics. Oh. And, then, and then you turn around and say like, how do you like working here? You know, what's your favorite thing about Facebook? What's your favorite thing about Apple or what's your favorite yeah. thing about XYZ company? So is that a smart the, move? The way I ask that question is I, I typically would ask, I typically do ask, I say like, can you tell me, you know, tell me, you know, about like your favorite thing about working at said company or, you know, tell me what a great culture means to you. Tell me a little bit more about the team culture at Google, wherever. Um, it's just on how you frame the question. Cause what, what you're really trying to get at is just like, hear them talk about hearing them talk about the company. You can genuinely figure out if they're genuine about it. I've heard some people talk about some companies. I'm not going to name names. And I'm a pretty good reader of people. So like you can call, you can figure out what's BS and what's not. Mm. Um, so it's, it, you know, other, other good questions are like, you know, what's leadership like? Uh, my, my point here really is a recruiter is not going to make, make like in most like cases, nine out of 10 times, they're not going to know specifics about the role. So it's like, you're going to get to the specifics when you talk to the hiring manager. Um, and before we move on to the hiring managers part of the process, um, don't ask about salary in this, like right now, like don't ask about salary until you pass the phone screen. So that would be the first meeting, right? So the first, yeah. So the, the phone screen is like just with the recruiter, right? And wow. I, I'm saying don't ask about salary because you don't even know if they like you yet really enough to like, talk about salary. I would say only disclose your salary if they ask in the phone screen. 
Um, I'd say about 60% of the time they won't ask. Um, sometimes they will if they're concerned that they're not going to, you know, the salary for this role is not going to match your expectations. So I've had some recruiters, you know, tell me what my expectations were and then they were way lower than my expectations. So we just, you know, we, we didn't move forward. But I think it's important that you don't come across as only thinking about money. What I, my, my tip here is like, really it like come across that you're, you care about your passion about this company. I like that. That's great. So when can you ask about the money? Yeah. yeah. And the money is <laughs> important. Don't get me wrong. The money is important and we'll get to that. Um, I, I, I like, so let's, the money is important. 100%. But you know, now we're at the hiring manager. So you pass, let's say, you know, now you, you, you ended the phone screen and you did a great job. Uh, after the phone screen with the recruiter, the recruiter usually, they may pass you on. They may say, okay, well, we had a great call. I want to set up time with the hiring manager. That's going to be the manager for this role. Or they'll say, hey, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to talk to the team and we'll, we'll get back to you in 24 to 72 hours. Um, within that time, right after, you know, I'd say within 24 hours, you need to send a thank you note to that recruiter thanking them for their time and just saying how much you, you know, appreciated the time and you're looking forward to hearing from them and hearing about next steps. Mm -hmm. Some people don't send thank you notes. I'm still a believer in them. I think it shows that you care. And one thing I do that's different than I think most people is I will also call out something, something like, and this is going to come up later on, but like you, a big part of how I've done well in interviewing is I try to connect with everyone I'm talking to. So with this, you know, recruiter, I would probably have spent the first minute or two of the call building rapport. So in my thank you note, I'll probably call out like, you know, Hey, hope you have a great weekend or hopefully, you know, you are having fun climbing the mountain or whatever, whatever they're going to do, whatever way we connected, you call that out in the thank you note somehow. Okay. Like whatever, whatever, whatever way that you can stand out and get them to remember you. You know, that's actually a really nice move. I'm surprised. I did not know that about you. I didn't know that you write thank you notes. That's, that's pretty old school. And uh, I don't know why you don't answer some of my text messages, you little <laughs> bastard. But uh, yeah, all right. Go ahead and write a thank you note. All right. Continue, Sergio Patterson. You know, uh, you know, I just sorry uh, no comment <laughs> bastard writes thank you notes but doesn't return text message to me right. hey i see hey, i see you I, do it i i, I see you. I, I return text message no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding anyways anyways <laughs> um so yeah man i thank you there's like a bad there's like a, um people are trying to see if if thank you notes are valuable i i still think it it's not gonna hurt you like it may not help you, but it's not going to hurt you. So I say, why not do it? Um, yeah, it shows you care. It shows that yeah. you're willing to go one extra step. Yeah, and exactly. The average candidate. Yeah, so process-wise, right? So we're on, you did the phone screen. It's been 48 hours. They get back to you and they say, hey, great news. The manager for this role wants to talk to you. And typically this is, uh, you know, in a pre-COVID world, this is going to be a video call with the hiring manager. So you're going to hop on a Zoom, a Google Hangout or Google Meet or Blue Jeans, whatever it may be. Um, and again, it's still like that in, in a COVID world also. Or this, this second you know, stage is not on site yet. 
it's just going to be virtual. Um, and <clears throat> that phone screen was probably just on the phone. So now it's a little bit different. There's a video component. So you're not going to just wake up in your sweats and not shave and, you know, have a shitty shirt on and like, you want to get yourself together. So there's this, like, I think tip number one is ensure you get yourself together. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a video component nine times out of 10. Um, and so don't, know, don't do this say, looking all ratchet. Make sure you shave. No. Yes. Like the way you and I look right now. No, it's not happening. Put your lipstick on <laughs> if you're uh, attorney yes. Matt McElroy. Yes. Yes. Matt. We are not happy with you right now. Oh, you didn't even, we didn't even call him out. We didn't give him shit at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, just give him shit now. Yeah, that bastard <laughs> kept us waiting for 40, no, an hour and a half. <laughs> Why did we wait? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, our attorney had a busy night, and we're not happy with him. Yeah. I think we just need to call his client and say he's not worth it. <laughs> Whatever they're paying, it's, he's not worth it. Uh, anyways, hiring manager. Um, I bring up the video component because it's an, it's it's critical that, uh, and I've I've told this to people who are kind of going through the process. Um, you know, have a, a dedicated space for the interview. Um, really understand like how to look at the camera when you're interviewing. So now in this you know COVID world, we're on video, so like you can look at the camera um, and ensure that your background's kind of. Um, just don't make it have like a decent background um whether it's your office or whatever it is like think about it so you're you're comfortable in your space um and and pretend like you would actually you're going to an interview so dress dress like you would actually be going to an interview okay because i think Um, that's a great tip because in the silicon valley if you've been on the campuses uh and even you know just all over the bay area it's very, it's very much casual unless you're fine. Finance is a little bit more stuffy, but pretty much for most of the companies in the area, it's, it's a bit more casual. Like that's just kind of how people dress. But when you're interviewing, I think it, it makes sense to go the extra step and, you know, at least dress up for it. Yeah. And for Silicon Valley specifically, um, you, I, I'm not telling you to wear a suit. Don't wear a tie. Um, just wear like a call, you know, uh, for, for dudes, wear a college shirt. Um, females just wear, yeah, this is going to sound bad. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm just, just stop. Um, just dress like you normally would, um, for an interview. Um, don't wear a suit. Don't wear a tie. This is for Silicon Valley. Um, again, so the hiring manager, this is really, this is a really important part of the process because this is the manager that's hiring for this role. So this is who you're going to be reporting to. Um, So there's, I think there's like three key things I wanted to call out. Um, One, you need to explain your value and how you're going to help them solve the problems that they have. This role is open for a reason, right? So there's, there's problems that this person needs to solve. So you really need to explain to this hiring manager, how you're going to help them solve the problem, grow the team uh, and really like, so these are the things on the basic requirements and uh, what you said, what did you call it again? You said basic requirements and yeah, minimum, minimum requirements and then preferred qual- uh, qualifications. Sorry. Yeah. Minimum requirements and preferred 
qualifications? Yeah, I mean, the so the minimum requirements in the preferred aren't going to be that specific to the problems that this hiring manager is having, but they are going to tell you what they're looking for. So you can, you can frame your answers to kind of match what this company or just this job is looking for. But like one of the questions you may ask the hiring manager, something that, that would come up in this conversation, you know, something I was going to go into, but like, you know, what are the, you know, the biggest challenges that, that are, that's facing your organization right now? You know, Hey, hiring manager, what are the challenges? Then they're going to tell you what those challenges are. So now you have that in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. So this is just like another tip with asking questions. You can get information that's going to help you down the road in future interviews. So when I say explain your value, I guess what I mean is like when you're answering the questions that they're asking you, so they're going to ask you behavioral type questions. So tell me about a time when you, you had a difficult, um, you know, colleague or stakeholder stakeholders are someone you work with. That's like a behavioral type question. So they're trying to figure out how you work with others. Um, when I say explain your value, I mean like you really need to have these examples ready to go um, so that you can share how you're going to help this manager. Um, really like do the work that's like necessary to like get the work off their plate because they're hiring for a reason. Yeah, I love that. So I think that's a really great uh, piece of advice is, you know, when you're in the phone interview, which you said is the very beginning, the easiest, yeah. why not throw out a question of, you know, what are the problems at this company? What yeah. are the, what are the main things that we're struggling to fix? Yeah. And that way you can do your research and bring that to the next level or the next interview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. Um, the other part is like now with the hiring manager, you can have questions ready to go that are more like role specific. Um, so, you know, that question about, you know, what's the day to day look like for this role, really be curious. This is your time to ask questions and like really show that you care enough about this role and you're passionate about the role. Otherwise, like, you know, if you're not asking those types of questions, I can guarantee you the other person interviewing is, um, the, the other question you're going to want to ask this hiring manager is like taking a step back. You're not also you're not only like, they're not only interviewing you, you're also interviewing the company. So this is your chance to kind of interview the hiring manager as well. And something that I do is always ask this hiring manager, you know, you know, what, what, what does a good leader look like to you and what's your leadership style? That the answer to that question, you can really tell, you can learn a lot about the, the manager's uh, leadership style. And, you know, Lee, early on in this, this podcast, we talked about, the different types of managers. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I do remember. Uh, so this is your chance to figure out if they're going to be that micromanager who we all hate or the type of manager who empowers you, right? Like you can, you can really get a lot from that question. Beth, so I always push people to ask. I remember that you, I remember you were talking about Beth was the manager that empowered you. Yes. Yeah. Beth was awesome. Uh, she's at Google still shout out to Beth. Um, so it's important in this hiring manager phase, you ask the hiring manager so you can get a good sense of their leadership style. Um, and then lastly, but probably most important is, is truly connect with the hiring manager. This is your chance. And I I know I'm kind of saying connect again. So you tried to connect with that recruiter. You did a good job. 
now you need to do your best to build as much rapport because this hiring manager has been, they're going to be your manager. So they want to bring in somebody that they're going to be able to like connect with, get along with, work well with somebody I, I helped mentor recently, Emma Lee, shout out to Emma. Uh, her biggest problem. And I, I had a couple of sessions with her. Her biggest problem was she just like, wasn't getting, she'd get interviews, but she wasn't landing job role offers. And one thing I realized after talking to her a few times is it took her a while to open up and, and she wasn't connecting with any of the, the, the people in the different phases. So we worked on, you know, these small tweaks to where she'd, she'd try to break the ice with somebody and talk about something other than work. So this is one of my biggest tips. It's something I think's helped me land roles is I, I try to do this with everyone I talk to. And Emma did this and she actually recently got a new role um, in this COVID environment. And she, she sent me a really nice note saying like, I owe, I owe you everything. She saw this, this one tweak in her behavior and how she connected with people and built rapport. And it had that sort of impact. So like this works, I'm telling you, like, if you can like connect with people on a, on a human level outside of just the work stuff, you're going to stand out. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great things that you provide is you know, when we go into these interview process, whatever company we're interviewing for, it's really tough. We perceive ourselves in our brain a certain way, right? But it's so hard to see how other people are perceiving you unless you have someone like you that's an expert that can help help the person identify those things and then fix those things. So I think that's vitally important for people that are trying to land those big jobs. Like you need to have someone like you that's going to be brutally honest and be like, Hey, you know what? You're kind of messing up right here. What you said right there kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know, going through that process uh, can hurt, you know, it, you know, because we all want to think we did a great job. It's valuable to have someone that's going to look over what you're doing and be honest with you so you can get better. Yeah. You have to be self-aware be okay with feedback, um, especially in this, this market. If you're asking for help, be okay with people telling you something you don't want to hear because it's only going to make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, so this hiring manager phase, like I said, you know, we talked about explaining your value, have specific role related qu- questions for the hiring manager. That's going to help you, you know, really think about your answers for future interviews um, and then connect. Um, so let's say you, you know, you have a great call with this hiring manager. They say, you know what, you did great. Let's move you on to the next step. So this typically would be a in-person interview with several members from the team. But right now, in this COVID world, thank you, uh, thank you, Corona. I mean, I don't know, Lee. Is this ever going to end, dude? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm about to buy a bunker and uh, <laughs> some rifles and just go live in the woods. They're looking pretty smart right now. The uh, survivalist guys are looking pretty smart. Yeah, they six months ago they were crazy, crazy people. Now they look like geniuses. <laughs> yeah. So COVID is has changed the game because before we would go on site, you get to see these great campuses, eat some free food, and meet the team in person, shake people's hands. So now you have to do this what would have been an in-person interview, you're going to do it, you know, through Zoom. Um, and you're going to meet with several people. Again, this is for Silicon Valley. You're, at this point of the game, you're essentially in, in, in 
probably like 80% of the time, this, this virtual onsite is the final round of interviews. Um, in some cases, some companies have another round, but this is typically the final round. So this is where you're going to meet with between three and five people from the team. They could be on the team. They could be um, close to the team on different teams, but um, most of the time they're going to be on the team. And this is where you, you know, I talked about connecting before that you need to go above and beyond in terms of connecting. Cause this is, this is kind of the final round. So again, it dress like you normally would for an in-person interview. Um, something that I've, that's super important that people don't think about ensure you have all the meeting information correct in this, in this COVID world of zoom and everything, like make sure your mic's working, make sure your speakers are working, make sure your headphones are working, make sure your laptop's charged, all these little things. Um, because it's super important. You don't want to be late. You want to be on time. Um, and just double check everything. That's it. Um, the other thing is, is you want to research all the people you're going to be interviewing with on LinkedIn. And I bring this up because like, you're going to get an email from the recruiter telling you, Hey, you're going to interview with, you know, Bob, Sarah, Sally, and, and Scott, and they're going to give you their first and last name. So you could easily go on LinkedIn. I do this every time I see who these people are, what they're all about, where they've worked, um, where they went to college. Um, you, I call it LinkedIn stalking. And it's actually like, uh, it's a pretty cool icebreaker too. You could say, Hey, you know, I was stalking your profile and I noticed you went to Michigan, you know, are you a football fan? Or like, I noticed you grew up in Spain. Did you want, do you watch soccer? Whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn stock your interview. Cause you're gonna, you're gonna get their names from the recruiter. Their recruiter is going to send you an email saying, Hey, you're going to interview with these four people. Um, and they're going to give you all these different, you know, tips to like how to prepare. So I think, a tip here is learn something about each person you're going to interview with. Um, and then the other, the other part about here, this is like, these are all going to be behavioral type questions. Uh, and I, I bring that up again, cause that's pretty standard across Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And those are the type of questions where they're going to try to ask you, tell me about a time when you did this. So I encourage anyone I work with or anyone I talk to that's asking me how to prepare make sure you have at least 10 to 15 examples to behavioral type questions. So let's say you've worked at four different companies. You should have three or four examples at each company that highlights your best work, you know, for the question that's tell me about a time when you've dealt with a difficult coworker, you should have two or three examples ready to go like the back of your hand so that you're not caught off guard when they ask these questions, you're like not scrambling. Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes back to practice makes perfect. So like, I encourage everyone to like, when I say 10 to 15 examples, like really practice these examples. So they're like almost second nature when these questions start coming to you. Um, you know, questions like, you know, tell me about a time when you've led a project from end to end, what was the hardest thing? Um, tell me about your biggest mistake. That question comes up all the time. Mm -hmm. Have the answers ready to go so that you're confident. And you're not, you know, if you're not prepared, it's going to come across that you're not prepared in the interview. What's the hardest question that you've had in an interview? Mm. Um, I think the, your biggest mistake, what's your, tell me about your biggest mistake and why you went wrong is, is typically the hardest one for me because you're, you're, you're really having to be vulnerable. 
and you're having to tell a company you're trying to work for your your biggest mess up yeah where you you know you you know you did xyz but then i think if you can and it's hard because you're you don't want to tell them something that's going to like it's not you don't want to raise flags but like you want to be honest here so and you don't want to say an answer like oh i'm i'm uh too organized or something like (laughs) not like a mistake or a something that's good you know what i mean like you know when people ask like what's your weakness and you say oh i'm like overly i'm too caring i'm too caring or i love i I love too much yeah exactly (laughs) something that's a good thing like be honest we all like when i I usually answer this question with i'm not great with data analysis or i'm not great with sql or i'm usually honest like I, i whatever it is for you, like come up with it, but don't, don't destroy yourself. But like, <laughs> say what you're trying, say what your, you know, your weakness is. But then also what I do is I follow it up with how I'm trying to get better. So for me, if it's data and, you know, analysis, I, you know, I'll come up with, you know, well, I'm taking this course to try to get better, but you know, for a few years, it's been one of my weaknesses and I'm trying to get better this way. Something like that. Yeah. Um, the the stupidest question I've gotten asked, you didn't ask that, but Google used to do, do these brain teaser questions. And I got asked in my Google interview, um, if, if there was, uh, what was it? If you were trying, how would you fi- try, how would you find a needle in the haystack? Some, some stupid question like that. Like <laughs> if there was a thousand haystacks and there's one needle, how would you go about finding it? I literally got asked that question. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a I haven't heard of that one. They so Google used to be known for asking these brain teaser questions and uh they've since banned them cuz they're just dumb. <laughs> um cuz you're literally in an interview and you're you're sitting there trying to think how you'd find a needle in a haystack. It's just the dumbest thing ever. Um I don't, I don't remember what I answered, but it couldn't have been good. Um yeah, there's I I have uh gosh, my friend uh Russ, who's the recruiter from Adobe, yeah, he, he gave me a really good one. He said the hot new interview question, I think that was going around at Google was would you rather be the prime minister of England or would you rather be the queen of England? Mm. Um that's and, interesting. You know, most people will go with, you know, I want to be either the queen because of, uh, you know, I love the royal family and what they stand for, or, you know, I want to be the prime minister because they can actually get shit done. Whereas the queen is just more of a figure at figure, this point in yeah. time. And then um, the answer is basically it depends. What are you trying to get done? If you're trying to get social change done, maybe the queen is a more influential person that, you know, can create more social change. Whereas the prime minister, if you're trying to pass laws, you know, that might be the way to go. So, but basically from what I've heard in Google's interview process is the main answer is it depends, right? They don't want people to just jump to one conclusion. They want people to be able to think outside the box. Yeah. That's a good segue, man, to, I think like when you're answering these questions, take time, gather your thoughts. You can ask the interviewer, Hey, I need a second. Let me think about this. 
and and be curious ask you know push back a little bit you said well it depends this is this is why um and then the the other part of this is a lot of people i know and i i've i've you know worked with they they tend to ramble when they're answering interview questions and this is going back to my i guess my personal philosophy in most things in life is is simplicity and when you're answering interview questions like this is one of my biggest tips is be simple and concise and answer the question i think what we what we tend to do in interviews is someone will ask a question we'll think about the answer and we'll just go and go and go and go and we'll, we'll forget what the question was as we're answering it. So you wanna, you wanna make sure that you're answering the question that was asked and then just move on and be okay with, maybe they're just sitting there nodding, maybe there's silence, you don't have to keep going, just do your best to answer the question. Be okay with, with asking for time. Hey, I need some time to gather my thoughts. I do this all the time in interviews. Um, ask the interview, be polite, like, Hey, let me, you know, let me think about this and don't be afraid to ask the interviewer, um, to repeat the question. Cause that, that's, a, that's like another slight tactic I use to give myself, to buy myself more time to think about my answer. They haven't caught on yet. So hopefully I'm not giving away <laughs> my secrets. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but yeah, there's just little, there's little, you know, tactics but that the simplicity thing is is huge because i've had a google recruiter tell me that that's one of the key things that they look for is people that can be thoughtful people that can answer you know concise but also with like that uh going back to how i I talked about the resume sharing your best work but in a simple and concise way it's the same thing with the interview answering in a very simple but you're also answering with like the best the best highlight, the best example, whatever it may be, but in a very digestible way. Um, yeah. So like that's, you know, once you pass, you know, if you pass this round, you typically be at the offer stage, you know, let's say they, all the feedback comes back. You may have to do one more interview with like a VP or someone high up. But most of the time, if you if all the feedback and just to give give the audience a, a quick understanding of what the process looks like is, um, let's say you interviewed with four people, they're the probably a week after you interviewed, they're all going to get together in a room, and they're going to compare and contrast everybody that is that is in the pipeline. So everybody that interviewed, they're going to you know pretty much rate everyone, and figure out kind of who the best candidate was. So, you know, if, if they want to move forward to an offer, then they're going to start talking, okay, well, you did great. You know, let's talk, you know, let's, let's, let's figure out, you know, from a compensation standpoint. And if you've gone this far, you probably have already asked at some point or been asked what the, what the range is. So you're not going to be completely shocked. Like it should be in your range. Um, you know, I think we could probably do a whole nother episode on negotiating salary and compensation, but um, from a process standpoint for the interview, like make sure you're sending those thank you notes at the end um, to each person that you interviewed with. Uh, you can, you could send it directly to the recruiter and then they'll send it to everybody. Um, but from a timing standpoint, you can expect to hear back anywhere from like as soon as a week to as long as two months. 
Um, it's all over the board. And I think like I'll end, and I want to end this. I think we've probably been running long in this world right now. It's, it's crazy. And a lot of companies are freezing hiring. They're slow. Just be patient and be kind, you know, be, be like, have some empathy in the process and be patient with your recruiter. They're doing the best they can be patient with the hiring team. They're, you know, budgets are getting cut. So like, it's a crazy time out there. So if you make it this far to the hiring manager, like listen, be patient and be kind and don't be entitled. hundred percent. Great job. All right, man. That was, you dropped some wisdom today. You are flowing. <laughs> I love it. You know, every, every once in a while, just, it just flows. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the free retiree show. So long for now. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson and Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Security America companies. Securities America Incorporated, Security America Advisors, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook Incorporated. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.